Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hi there. I'm Randa Fattah from ThruLine. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. From KQED in San Francisco, I'm Alexis Madrigal. At the beginning of the pandemic, food banks were hit with two simultaneous surges. One, of need as the economy got thrown into chaos, and two, of generosity. While millions found themselves suddenly out of work, others who found themselves in fortunate circumstances gave money and donations to food banks. As this period of history has stretched on, the need has remained elevated, but the generosity has trailed off pushed out of mind by everything else that's going on in the world. So we check in this morning with local food banks to talk about their outlook for 2023. That's coming up after this news. Alexis Madrigal. At the beginning of the pandemic, food banks were hit with two simultaneous surges. One, of need, as the economy got thrown into chaos, and two, of generosity. While millions found themselves suddenly out of work, others who found themselves in more fortunate circumstances gave money and donations to food banks. As this period of history has stretched on, though, the need has remained elevated above pre-pandemic levels, but the generosity has trailed off, pushed out of mind by everything else going on in the world. With the cost of food rising, it all adds up to a frightening outlook for our region's food assistance organizations. Here with us to check in about hunger in the Bay Area, we're joined by Reggie Young, Executive Director of the Alameda County Community Food Bank. Welcome, Reggie. Thank you. We're also joined by Jim Oswald, Director of Marketing and Communications with Meals on Wheels San Francisco. Welcome. Thank you. And we're joined by longtime hunger and food insecurity reporter Dana Cronin. Welcome, Dana. Thank you. Reggie, let's start with you. Um, Just give us the current trends right now that are really impacting food banks, you know, not just here, but across the country. Yeah, so I will say that for food banks across the country, we are seeing a lot of the similar challenges. Uh, for the most part, uh, high inflation is is making food costs a lot higher for food banks, no matter where you're at within the country. But along with that, we're seeing still record needs uh, since the pandemic. In fact, 
Uh, I would say that for a lot of food banks, what I'm hearing is that the need at the height of the pandemic is equal to what we are experiencing mm. right now. And so uh, the challenge of ensuring that everybody has a meal uh, to ensure that people are not going hungry within our community is, is even more challenging for food banks and their network of partners that they work with. Mm. And, you know, I just to talk about the donation side of it as well. I mean, I saw a number that Rising Harvest, which is the big Silicon Valley uh, food bank, has seen donations fall by almost 40 percent. Um, since the you know, height of the pandemic two years ago. Um, is that same thing happening in Alameda County and in other food banks? I assume it's not just the Silicon Valley problem, but that that's kind of indicative of the wider trend. Yeah, I would say that's pretty consistent. For us, we projected that we were... So our costs have increased probably double than prior to when hmm. we saw the pandemic itself. But we are anticipating that we're going to see 11% decrease in funding uh, this fiscal year for us. And so uh, it is a challenge, right? Because we are not seeing the the changes in need within our community. Uh, we're not seeing the changes uh, in uh, the number of people that are coming to the pantries and, and wanting food and the long mm-hmm. lines that are that are present there. And so, so for us, it is critically uh, important that we are still able to serve at the same race that we were doing a year ago and two years ago for that matter. And uh, the the resources are not the same. Yeah. We're talking about rising food costs and the struggles of Bay Area food assistance programs. And we'd love to hear from you in this segment. Are you using food assistance programs? Maybe you could tell us about your experience of trying to use them or or successfully using them. The number is 866-733-6786. We also know that, you know, food insecurity is kind of a a continuum um, from, from people who have, you know, very little to eat. Uh, to people who are just struggling occasionally to to find uh, healthy meals for their family. So how has the rising cost of food affected you and your family? Have you made changes in how you're buying groceries? The number is 866-733-6786. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or KQED Forum, and the email is forum at kqed.org. Um, Jim Oswald, Director of Marketing Communications with Meals on Wheels uh, San Francisco. I assume that your program is encountering many similar challenges to uh, the the food banks. Is that right? Uh, Yes. Well, first off, thank you so much for having us on. Um, It it really is. uh, You know, for our program, uh, primarily is about home delivered meals. So here in San Francisco, we are preparing and and delivering to homes of of older adults, 60 and older, some 10,000 meals a day. So uh, every day, rain or shine, whether it's a bomb cyclone or not, Mm -hmm. we are out there, our fleet of vans are out there delivering these meals. And yes, uh, the costs have gone up. Uh, we've seen, you know, increases, you know, upwards of you know twenty-five to fifty percent just in our food costs, and another thirty-three percent in our fuel costs. Mm. So the cost to do the meals and our wheels is really impacting us. Yeah, Dana Cronin, uh, reporter, reports on food insecurity as well as you know agriculture more broadly. Can we talk about the price of food right now? Uh, just give people a sense of kind of the the systemic problems that have been leading to this rise and, you know, really some of the the staples. I mean, people have been talking a lot about eggs and and, and chicken. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think it's almost impossible to go to the grocery store right now and not notice the sky high food prices. Um, And, you know, really at the root of that, 
you know, there are a couple of things at play. One is that we are in a global food crisis right now. Um, and there are a couple of contributing factors there. One is climate change. Um, you know, over the past year, we've seen some really significant weather events across the globe that have impacted some of our staple crops. Um, you know, last summer we saw really intense heat waves in Europe. We saw drought in China. We saw, you know, extensive flooding in Pakistan that has impacted staple crops like rice and corn, for example. Um, another contributing factor is the ongoing war in Ukraine, which has significantly impacted the global wheat supply um, because Ukraine and Russia are both, um, you know, uh, exporters of wheat, um, global exporters of wheat. Um, one economist I talked to likened this conflict to, you know, a war between Saudi Arabia and Iran and how that would likely invoke an oil crisis. Well, in this case, it's invoked a wheat crisis. Hmm. So, you know, across the board, staple crops are, um, you know, struggling uh, due to climate change. But at the same time, um, food companies have, you know, kind of taken advantage of this moment and of this opportunity and are raising their prices even higher. So companies like, you know, Tyson, General Mills, Cargill, they are actually right now seeing record profits, even amid all of these staple crop shortages. Um, that same economist I talked to, his name is William Spriggs. He said, this is kind of like price gouging during a natural disaster, where if you say, you know, went to Florida after a hurricane and tried to sell bottled water for $20 a bottle, you would get arrested because that is illegal. Um, but we just don't have the infrastructure in place, you know, the legal infrastructure in place to handle price gouging at such a massive scale. Yeah. We're talking about the systemic reasons for rising food costs. We're also talking about the struggles of Bay Area food assistance programs to really help what is an enormous amount of people in our area who are struggling with food insecurity. We're joined by Dana Cronin, a reporter who has covered food insecurity for civil eats, among other uh, publications. Jim Oswald, Director of Marketing Communications with Meals on Wheels San Francisco. And Reggie Young, Executive Director with the Alameda County Community Food Bank. We'd love to hear from you. Are you using food assistance programs? Maybe you can call and tell us about what your experience has been with them. Uh, the number is 866-733-6786. How has the rising cost of food affected your family? That number again is 866-733-6786. Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. or KQED Forum. And the email is forum at kqed.org. Um, Dan, I, I wanted to ask you about the way that these rising food prices end up really kind of weighing on individual people who are trying to kind of make ends meet, patching together, you know, different programs, you know, federal, local food banks. Can you talk to us about some of the people that you've reported on? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I just want to start out by saying that I am so grateful to the folks that I've talked to for my stories. I know it's an incredibly delicate issue and, you know, incredibly vulnerable folks that I've spoken with for these stories. So I just want to acknowledge that. Um, in this most recent piece that I wrote for Civil Eats, um, I spoke with a woman named Gilma Dominguez. 
Um, she is a, a single mom. She lives in LA with her son, JP. Um, he is on the autism spectrum and he, um, you know, has a really strict diet and, and, you know, isn't, isn't as flexible as, um, as some other folks in terms of being able to substitute maybe some, you know, cheaper foods into his mm-hmm. diet. So she's, and, you know, she receives monthly allotments through SNAP, the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, otherwise known as food stamps. Um, she is um, a refugee from El Salvador. She came here in the last a uh, few years seeking refuge. And, um, you know, I, I spoke with her just a few weeks ago on the phone and she receives about 400 or so dollars a month through SNAP. Um, but, you know, she just told me that it's it's simply not enough for her and her son. She, um, you know, she told me a story about standing in line at the grocery store and <laughs> watching as the cashier, you know, beeped each item that, that she was buying and the total just kept rising and rising and rising. And she ended up just having a panic attack there in the grocery store line because of how overwhelming that experience was. She's just not used to seeing prices so high and her snap dollars don't go as far as they once did. Um, she told me that, you know, her snap allotment used to cover, uh, almost three weeks of groceries. You know, it's it's intended to cover the month, but it used to cover about three weeks. Now it barely covers two. So she's really, you know, she's really struggling to make ends meet. And I've talked to others who are in, in similar situations. Yeah. You know, Reggie Young, as we talk about the different types of people who are, uh, you know, availing themselves of these services, have you seen any changes at Alameda County Community Food Bank since the pandemic uh, hit? Well, absolutely. So the the challenge of food insecurity was an issue prior to the pandemic. For one, it was already a major issue. But what we ended up seeing was that a large number of new recipients, uh, people who are first time users of a food pantry or a food bank, uh, that number became uh, began to rise dramatically during the pandemic. And it's still the case right now. Uh, we have a, a call center at the food bank, and uh, we have about thirty percent of the the callers. Uh, that are calling for some form of food assistance, uh, they are first-time users of food assistance at, at all. And so uh, so the interesting thing for us is that, you know, the with this challenge being so difficult and challenging for people already, now we're seeing it expanded to a variety of different people that may have never thought they would be here. And these are folks mm-hmm. that are working. Is that, you think, Reggie, like, do you think that change is kind of permanent, like that there's just higher demand for these food services unless we make some, you know, really all out effort to change the situation that existed, you know, even pre-pandemic? Yeah. So I, I will say I do think there are some long lasting effects that that may be present if costs stay high, uh, particularly for us in the Bay Area. Right. Uh, the cost of living is just high in general. And so what we're seeing is a confluence of, of issues and really a, a, a heightened awareness of where to access food for even those people who may have needed it, but but did not know where to go prior to uh, the pandemic and the media coverage of food insecurity. And so uh, I absolutely think there's uh, a lot of things that we can do to mitigate this issue. In fact, I think that uh, food insecurity could be eradicated in the Bay Area with the right political will, uh, with the right resources, because I feel like the 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 money is there. 
Uh, but uh, but yeah, this will be a challenge that we are going to deal with for a long time if there's not some dramatic changes that occur. Yeah. You know, I know that there's different ways of sort of calculating food insecurity. By your best estimates at Alameda County uh, Community Food Bank, how, how many people are actually experiencing this just, you know, in Alameda County, just in the East Bay? Yeah, so our estimate is that there are about one in four people that are are dealing with some form of food security within Alameda County. And this was uh, one in five prior to the pandemic itself. And so uh, about 25% of the population may need some form of assistance or not know where their next meal are coming from. Wow. Um, You know, Jim, can you talk about the number of people kind of aging in place? I mean, the the pandemic put incredible strain on nursing homes and other, uh, other places where our elders live. Maybe more of them have decided to stay at home. What has that done for Meals on Wheels? Yeah, you know, it it, it truly has uh, increased, uh, you know, our 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 capacity ultimately, and their capacity was overflowing. You know, as Reggie said, you know, uh, we saw uh, here at Meals on Wheels in San Francisco, we saw an increase in need as well. Uh, here's the reality: uh, in San Francisco. Uh, by 2030, 30% of the population living in San Francisco will be age 60 and older. Um, and that compares, you know, certainly to numbers nationwide, uh, Meals on Wheels America, you know, you know, estimates that, you know, 12,000 Americans are turning 60 each day in the U.S. So the the need, and many of those seniors will, will need resources, right, including food. Um, for us uh, here in San Francisco, we were serving just before the pandemic, you know, roughly about 3,500 seniors a day who rely on us for home-delivered meals. That number skyrocketed, uh, you know, in the first year of the pandemic, almost by by 200%. Um, and that included, um, you know, partnering with the city and county of San Francisco, uh, Meals on Wheels, San Francisco ultimately uh, operated what's called the isolation and quarantine hotline. So anyone of any age who was impacted by COVID uh, called us and partnering with the SF Marin Food Bank and, you know, preparing our, our meals and delivering them out to people who could not get out and get food. Um, you know, the reality is these problems have all always been there, accessibility mm-hmm. uh, and affordability. Uh, many of our seniors, almost 72% of them that, that receive our meals, uh, live on less than $1,000 a month here in San Francisco, uh, which is really hard to fathom. Um, I spoke with one uh, a lady, a really charming lady, a number of years ago who said that, you know, after she pays her bills, her rent and everything, she had exactly maybe $100 left for the entire month. Oh. So imagine, you know, trying to you know, purchase and get uh, well-balanced meals, you know, that are healthy for you. She literally told me that, you know, sometimes she would just drink water to feel full. Mm. Um, So that's really powerful. So, uh, you know, we owe it to, you know, certainly our communities to support them. Uh, and it starts certainly with funding, uh, but it, it's much more uh, than that. It's, it's you know, providing the resources down the line that be able to take care of people as they age in place. Yeah. Hey, Dana, you know, I'm looking at the numbers, a chart with the numbers of CalFresh recipients in the Bay Area from, you know, September 2019 to September 2022. And basically every single county is up at least 30%, and most of them are up 40 or, or even 50% over that uh, three-year period. 
Is that sort of just the the nature of this rising cost, or it's just that like more people need help on CalFresh, or are there other factors at play? Yeah, you know, I think that's I think that's pretty much across the board across the country. I think numbers are up. I mean, I know that during the pandemic, food insecurity rates. Um, you know, really skyrocketed. I mean, in, you know, kind of across the board, folks, I think, I think the number was, you know, food insecurity rates doubled um, towards the beginning of the pandemic when that, when that really set in. Um, that leveled off some over time over the past couple of years. Um, but I think with food inflation rates, I've heard from a lot of experts that those numbers are now rising. So I think what you're seeing, um, you know, kind of across the Bay Area is certainly playing out across the country. Um, I also want to make sure to acknowledge that, you know, food insecurity disproportionately impacts Black and Latino households. Um, you know, there's data that shows that um, almost a quarter of the Black population uh, live in a food insecure household. Um, and, um, you know, Black individuals are almost three times as likely to face hunger as white individuals. So I just want to make sure that, that we acknowledge yeah. that. We're talking about rising food costs and the struggles of Bay Area food assistance programs to provide help for increasing numbers of people with food insecurity. I'm Alexis Madrigal. Stay tuned for more right after the break. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. We're talking about rising food costs and the struggles of Bay Area food assistance programs. I'm Alexis Madrigal. This is Forum. We're joined by Reggie Young, Executive Director with Alameda County Community Food Bank, Jim Oswald, Director of Marketing and Communications with Meals on Wheels San Francisco, and Dana Cronin. She's a freelance reporter. She wrote a recent piece for Civil Eats called It's Not Enough, Snap Recipients Struggle Amid High Food Prices. We'd love to hear from you. We're going to go to the phones in this uh, segment. Are you using food assistance programs? We'd love to hear about your experience. Or we also have a listener who writes in to say, you know, each Christmas I typically make a donation to San Francisco Food Bank in my mother's name. This year, due to my own limited finances, I was unable to make the donation. And I feel sorry for my lack of contribution. So have you had to change the way that you approach even, you know, your donations to local food banks and organizations? You can give us a call. The number is 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, or KQED Forum. And the email is forum at kqed.org. Let's go to uh, Patricia in Greenberry. Welcome. Hi. Um, I wanted to um, talk about 
my my issues. I'm a, a elderly person, and I live on twelve hundred dollars a month. Um, I do have assistance above that for my rent, but um, the twelve hundred dollars that I have does not go far, and I I do receive SNAP, um, and that that has been I think around three hundred dollars a month, um, but. That just does not cover the needs, uh, the food needs. Um, my food expenses have gone up astronomically in the last year. Um, a, an item that would have cost me five dollars a year ago is now nine dollars at the at the same store. Um, so this has just become uh, an unsustainable situation, and I'm now having to also go to um go to uh, meals on wheels for assistance mm. yeah how how are you patching it together um is it like food banks snap meals on wheels um have you found any other ways to kind of you know plug the gaps or make sure that you're getting food you actually like well, it's not even so much food that I like. It's food that I can eat. I unfortunately um, had to uh, lose all my teeth because of an illness that caused mm-hmm. me to uh, have dental problems. And so now I have uh, dentures and I have very uh, diminished ability to eat foods. And so my foods have to be soft for the most part, which means that I'm really limited to what I can buy and also what I can get from Meals on Wheels. They don't have specialized food uh, programs. They they can't really give you uh, a soft diet, as an example. Mm-hmm. So it, it's very difficult to yeah. make and eat. Yeah. Well, Patricia, thank you for uh, sharing your experience with us and kind of wishing you the, the best on on uh, this difficult time. I, I do want to ask you, Jim, you know, uh, given that Patricia uses a, a different Meals on Wheels uh, service, I'm assuming, up in, up in Marin, she also mentioned that SNAP doesn't go far enough. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that? Because it was my understanding that actually SNAP got a bump up during the pandemic. Um, is that going to go away? Is that permanent? Like, what's the sort of state of, of SNAP? You know, I, I'm really not versed to, to, to certainly talk about SNAP, but uh, it is true. You know, uh, the, the the funds that folks receive from those types of programs really just isn't enough. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, here uh, for Meals on San Francisco, we're very fortunate that we're able to prepare different types of, of food uh, based on our clients' health needs. So, for instance, in San Francisco, uh, we can can provide uh, mechanically softened meals. We can provide, you know, some specialized, but it, it does vary from program to program and city to city. Yeah. Um, Dana, you've done some reporting on this, on the SNAP benefits and adjustments there. Yeah, yeah. Um, you're right. There were various pandemic relief programs in place over the past few years. Um, those bumps you were talking about, um, those were emergency allotments for SNAP that brought many households up to the maximum allotment levels. 
Um, those are those are still active in California. So um, CalFresh recipients should still be seeing those emergency allotments, while you know many other states have already phased those out. Um, however, in the latest spending bill passed at the very end of 2022, just last month, Congress decided to end those emergency allotments and instead use that money to permanently fund a summer EBT program, which um, is another food assistance program, which would basically provide meals to qualifying students during Mm. the summer months. So this is something that anti-hunger advocates are are very excited about. This is one of the biggest federal nutrition programs in 50 years. Um, but you know, there's mixed feelings, of course, with those emergency allotments from the pandemic being kind of phased out and and shifting that money over to this new program. So it's it's mixed feelings from what I'm hearing. You know, Reggie Young, uh, President Biden uh, convened a one of the first hunger conferences, I guess, in like you know, kind of 50 years. Um, have you seen any kind of like tangible impacts from sort of what what seems like an attempt, at least at the federal level, to focus more uh, attention and aid on the issue of hunger in America? Well, the the thing that I can say is that since this was the second convening, the after the first one, we did see huge increases for uh, really addressing food insecurity, like increases in SNAP, uh, increases in the farm bill, and so forth, and so. We are anticipating that there are going to be a lot of changes uh, with hunger relief efforts from the federal level and that passing on to the states themselves. I think for me, one of the things that we, uh, we're really excited about is the opportunity for increases in things like SNAP itself, uh, because it, for myself, it is the, it's the most successful hunger relief program mm-hmm. in American history. And the more we're able to not try to supplement people's food and take away the choices that they may have and provide them the monies to be able to get the food that they need for their health concerns, for their families and so forth. Uh, For me, that's always going to be the better choice. Hmm. Let's bring in another caller. Let's go to uh, Leslie in Sacramento. Welcome, Leslie. Yes. Hello. Um, Good morning. And thank you for this program. Um, So I am on food assistance. I'm on SNAP and until Recently, I was taking care of a of a dear friend, an older um, an older person on dialysis who also had no teeth, so mm-hmm. we had some mm-hmm. special special concerns. But I do want to say, and I don't want to put I'm it's I'm in a little bit of a different position in that even though I'm very low income and. The, for the mile or so, you know, the two, the two or three miles around me, it's a food desert. Then there's grocery outlet about three miles away. Mm. And I'm lucky enough to have an old car. And you know what I mean? It's, I have a 2003 and it <laughs> drives, you know? So <laughs> no, I mean, it really, you know, that if I didn't have that, it would be much harder. Cause yeah. it's a sidewalk yeah. from Sacramento. And I, I'm sheltered. Not in a big place, but we have a normal size refrigerator with a top freezer. And I guess I, I, I feel like I, this sounds terrible, but I, I eat so great. Hmm. <laughs> you know, I'm like, I, I buy things that are, you know, like, I mean, I look for things that are expired or almost expired or not, you know what I mean? And I, I eat, and I, I should also say my car is filled with not, 
hot food. I don't want to sound like I'm giving away hot meals because I don't have the, I have a tiny kitchen and I don't have the, but like my car is filled with bags of food to the brim that I give to every person, not every person, but people that I pass by who want it in within this budget. What I mean is, is I budget for that. Obviously I wouldn't do that if I couldn't eat, but what I mean is, is, so I, I, I don't know exactly how I do it, but I yeah. look for, I look for stuff. So I'm sorry. I don't yeah. mean to. I'm no, let's say, I mean, I think you know, can't do this. you know, one of the things um, that kind of raises for me, I just wanted to ask you about is, you know, that this seems like a substantial investment of time as well, right? In order to, to look for the bargains and to prepare the, the fresh foods and the groceries into, you know, nutritious and good meals so that you feel like you're, you're eating well. Um, so it it does seem like right. You're, you're... I make a huge pot of food. <laughs> People would be bored. I didn't yeah. do that for Dave when he was alive and he passed away a yeah. few months ago. So that was different because that was every night a different. You know what I mean? But yeah. for me, <laughs> there's a pot of like a million vegetables and beans and you know stuff that I find super delicious that not everyone would, but I love it. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, so. Mm-hmm. <laughs> then I have a bowl O. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I, other stuff too. But so what I mean is, is that wouldn't, that might make other people sad. Do you know what I mean? But it makes me glad. Yeah. Y- you know what I mean? So it's, I, I, I mean, it, I'm not, but I did, again, I did shop for someone who was a meat eater and also had very special mm-hmm. things. I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I've also heard from when I've been at grocery outlet, people have come up to me, very low-income people, and said, have you been to Winco, where I've never been? And apparently it has very good prices, if it does. I've never been in the door because, you know, with gas being what it is, you know what I mean? I don't – I'm very careful about my – so I, I don't know if this is useful or whether I'm just... No, very life. useful. Th- no, thank you, Leslie. We really appreciate your um, your experience here and, and your sharing it with us. And um glad to hear that your you know your attitude and your uh, situation is, is so strong and, and wonderful. I, um, I, I, you know, Dana, you've talked to a lot of people who are in situations like uh, Leslie's and, and others. Um, it does seem like there's tremendous variability in how people are able to kind of manage with the different food resources that exist out there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, and you said it at the top of the program, like food insecurity is a spectrum. It doesn't look the same in every household. I remember when I first started, um, you know, reporting on food insecurity and, you know, one of the first families I met with, I, you know, went over to their house. I was going to report this story about how they were, you know, struggling to afford food. This was right at the beginning of the pandemic. And, um, the, it was a single mother. She took me to her pantry and it was stocked and I was shocked, you know, but the truth of it is that, you know, she, shopped sales. So when there was a really good sale on something, she would like really, really invest in that and then live on that for months. Right. So, I mean, it doesn't all look the same. Everyone handles it differently. And I think to your caller's point, I mean, um, yeah, sometimes, yeah, it looks, it looks different for everyone. 
A really uh, interesting comment coming in. Um, David writes in to say, I've helped a lot of people apply for SNAP over the years. And one of the things that I learned was how much it differed county by county, because that's who runs the program. A lot of people get denied not because they aren't eligible, but because, for example, they can't get a telephone interview with overwhelmed staff. Something it taught me is that ultimately county boards of supervisors control how much staff counties have to actually get people this help with food. And it's important for us to make sure our neighbors can get this help by holding our county supervisors accountable for their running of the program. Uh, Great comment there. Reggie Young, Alameda County Community Food Bank. Talk to me about Alameda County and the kind of help people can get. And do you think it's adequate for for the area? Well, I'll I'll just say to that last point, I think that's that's absolutely right. And uh, ACCFB is one of the administrators of SNAP assistance in Alameda County. And what, what that writer said was absolutely right. You have to be able to show up where people are at to make it easy as possible for people to be able to sign up for SNAP itself. And so uh, I said it before on the show that I think SNAP is one of the uh, the most successful hunger relief programs uh, that's ever existed in this country. And so for me, when I'm thinking about the work that we're doing, the, the pantry aspect of it is one component, but signing up people for SNAP is a major component for ensuring that people are not going hungry. Because again, uh, it is my belief that the more choice that people are afforded, the the and in, in taking away decisions from people uh, to me is is a no no, right? Mm. And so, SNAP provides that option uh, to be able to choose the the foods that you need for the individual. Uh, so, when I think about Alameda County specifically, we have a lot of strengths, right? We have a we have a, a community that's uh, really settled in on social justice. We have a community uh, that's very entrepreneurial by nature, and we have a lot of challenges ahead of us. Uh, We're fortunate that we have a lot of partners. We have over 400 community partners in Alameda County to help support uh, the food bank by allocating food directly out uh, to people in need. But the the challenge that we have is that, uh, like we've talked about on this show, the costs that people are seeing on in the grocery stores are also the costs that we're experiencing as a food bank. And so uh, unlike a for-profit company, we're not able to pass on the cost of our foods uh, to the consumers. Everything that we get, uh, we're paying for and giving that out for free. And so uh, the, the biggest challenge that we're going to have as a county and really as the Bay Area as a whole is around cost in general, mm-hmm. not only inflation, but the fact that the cost of living in, in the Bay Area is so expensive for folk. Uh, I, I love what the caller said earlier uh, in regards to how they're navigating uh, mm-hmm. uh, their, the way that they're purchasing and so forth. And we're seeing that a lot with uh, members in our community as well. Uh, what I'll say is that we have a, a resilient, brilliant uh, mm-hmm. community base that are receiving our, our foods. One woman I, we spoke with was literally was walking to a food distribution, packing the food and walking home uh, with it so that she could save costs on her gas hmm. so that she can navigate to other places and do go to work, mm-hmm. uh, go do her, her other other things that she needs. And the cost of saving on the food and on the gas uh, was beneficial for her to be able to manage that household. And so what we're going to continue to see is that people are going to come up with creative solutions 
to be able to put food on their table and to meet their needs, but it should not be so hard. And so the, the things that we're thinking about, the things that we're thinking about with our partners is how do we ensure that we have the policies in place, that we have the political will, that we have the, the backing to make those, those choices a lot easier for our community. Yeah. To your point about uh, the high cost of living, uh, one listener tweets, trying to receive food stamps in San Francisco is extremely difficult. You must make less than $27,000 a year. My rent alone is $18,000 a year. We must raise the poverty threshold. Thanks for covering this important topic. Also, I'm very grateful for the food banks. Julie tweets just a single observation, which I think everyone (laughs) at the store yesterday in San Rafael. I saw eggs, usually the least expensive ones. For sale for $14. Eggs are a protein staple for so many people, and this is such a hardship. We have been talking about rising food costs and the struggles of Bay Area food assistance programs to provide help for the increasing numbers of people who are food insecure. We've been joined by Reggie Young, Executive Director with the Alameda County Community Food Bank. Thank you for joining us, Reggie. Thank you for having me. We've also been joined by Jim Oswald, Director of Marketing and Communications with Meals on Wheels San Francisco. Thank you so much for joining us, Jim. Oh, thank you so much for having me. And Dana Cronin, a reporter, her recent piece is It's Not Enough, SNAP Recipient Struggle Amid High Food Prices for Civil Eats. Thanks so much for joining us, Dana. Thank you, Alexis. I'm Alexis Madrigal. This has been Forum. Stay tuned for another hour ahead with guest host Marisa Lagos. Funds for the production of Forum are provided by the members of KQED Public Radio, the Germanicos Foundation, the Generosity Foundation, and the Heising Simons Foundation. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. All over the country, we need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now.